BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Con, as usual, we've got two big issues to talk about, plus a couple of special features. Uh, the issues are, number one, should the government punish doctors for spreading misinformation? Ooh. And, of course, we're talking COVID here. Topic number two, could Alec Baldwin have avoided criminal charges with just two simple words? No comment? Some people say you should never talk to the police without your lawyer present. And even with your lawyer present, you should let him or her do the talking. So those are the two big topics. We'll also uh, play America's favorite game show, Guess the Verdict, where I give Connor the uh, real live facts of the case, and he gets to guess the outcome. Today, the case of the kidnapper with chutzpah. And I mean, finally, most do, I would think. But all right. <laughs> well, it, it, it'll be an adventure. And finally, uh, after the uh, guest verdict, I'm just going to give you a quick rant uh, because it's just really getting under my skin here. If you're, on trial for, if you're on trial for murder, Connor, how about wearing a tie? Is that too much <laughs> to ask? Huh? Well, you know, maybe ties are hard to come by on death row. I don't know. <laughs> well, he hasn't been convicted yet. I mean, that's true. No, that's the future. Anyway, that's what's coming up in the big podcast. So let's get to topic number one. Should the government punish doctors for spreading misinformation. So, Connor, it sounds like an easy call, right? What could be more important than your health and the input you get from your doctors? And COVID is still a killer. You know, we can say uh, it's going away, which is wonderful. But what's wrong with coming down on dangerous doctors who spread lies? But it's not quite that simple. Take no, California. Is. Please take California. They passed a law <laughs> last year letting the state medical board discipline doctors who, quote, disseminate misinformation or disinformation that contradicts the contemporary scientific consensus or is contrary to the standard of care. The focus being, of course, on COVID. And, of course, right. a lot of publicity about a bunch of doctors who were, uh, you know, they're not necessarily vax deniers, but, you know, they really have serious questions. So after the law passed, Connor, two lawsuits were filed, one by a group of five doctors, 
and one lawsuit by another doctor in a couple of advocacy groups, including uh, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s Children's Health Defense. He's long promoted what many people feel uh, would be false information. about Blatant quackery. Yeah. Childhood vaccines. And a federal judge in Sacramento last week granted the plaintiff's request for an injunction. He found the law's definition of misinformation and contemporary scientific consensus to be unconstitutionally vague. Thus, it violated due process, the clause in the 14th Amendment. So from your perspective, we can get into some of the details here, but are you concerned at all that that a judge is kind of putting the brakes on the attempt by the uh, California legislature to make sure doctors don't say stupid, dangerous, life-threatening things. Yeah, this is a really tough, complicated issue, right? We talked actually uh, in a previous podcast about uh, the the issues lawyers had uh, re- uh, regulating themselves, their own profession, and whether lawyers had to tattle on one another, what burdens you put on these professionals um, and the professional organizations that regulate them, uh, and uh, just sort of the culture, uh, the culture's expectations about uh, what we think um, the uh, what we think these what standard they should be held to, right? So the, the first element is how much of an expert do you have to be in something to give an opinion on that topic, right? I think that gets to the crux of uh, the first issue is how much of an expert we expect doctors to be or require doctors to be uh, before they. Uh, give an opinion. Uh, and then secondly, there's some concept of, well, there's there's something about doctors that we just inherently trust, and we want them to be able to give advice to their patients as part of their treatment. And if that treatment differs somewhat from the mainstream, it, well, it may well be that there are, you know, doctors and patients out there that want to do things that the medical mainstream that says, uh, you know, I don't think that's exactly how I would go about doing it, but it's a judgment call. And so if you're in a a dire situation, you've got a, what what medical establishment calls an incurable disease. Well, you'd better hope that you've got a doctor who is willing to break the mold and try some extreme stuff, right? I mean, that's, that's one way to look at things. Overall, I think that I am very worried anytime a judge. So I, you know, I'm, I'm giving background for like the best arguments for why you would be allowed to, to disseminate information that is outside the the, the medical norm, right? right? And I, what I'm really worried about as a lawyer and on a, a podcast where I complain about the actions of lawyers most of the time is why is this judge stepping in and saying, hey, I know better than the California legislature. Legislatures are generally informed by massive interest groups made up of, well, sometimes paid lobbyists, but sometimes paid lobbyists hired by uh, actual qualified people like doctors, you know, the American Medical Association will hire a bunch of lobbyists and they'll they'll lobby uh, the legislature, state or federal, to pass a law that they think uh, is the, the, the right way to go. And so they are hopefully informed and, and well-educated on the topic. So why is some judge who's got, what, a couple of clerks maybe doing some yeah. research? And you you raise a good point, and it actually it kind of reminds me of a case that I handled a year and a half or so ago where I was representing a, a private prison company and they had been sued by the ACLU and the ACLU said, hey, these folks uh, maintain, um, they have uh, immigration detainees and they are absolutely not doing social distancing and masking. 
And as a result, it's unsafe. I mean, people could die behind bars. And the the ju- some judges came along and started to weigh in on this. And one of the points the U.S. Supreme Court said was that judges are not medical experts. They kind of have to rely on the expertise of the doctors. Now, on your question of, you know, where is this judge coming from up in Sacramento? His idea was that the law was vague because a doctor doesn't really have any way of knowing how the law will be applied by the board, medical board, or interpreted by the courts. It would chill their practice of medicine. The judge asked, who decides what a medical consensus is? I mean, where do doctors go to learn this consensus? I mean, let me ask you this, Connor. Isn't it the enough- answer to that is law is medical school, by the way. Well, but, yeah. r- right. But but isn't it enough? And this is a point raised by this judge. Isn't it enough to rely on current law, which subjects doctors to malpractice suits and board discipline? I mean, if a doctor says, hey, take a Snickers bar for that cancerous tumor. It worked for my <laughs> Uncle Bert. Right. Then the doctor gets sued and he gets drummed out of the core. Why do we need a special new law that says, oh, if a doctor disseminates disinformation, right. stuff that, you know, we, the elites who, you know, yeah. are, are, are passing these vaccination laws think are, are appropriate? I mean, isn't it enough to just go with the current law? It's a good thought. Um, in in truth, this law came about, as you point out, in res- as a result of the existence of COVID and as a result of the emergence of the anti-vax movement and as a direct response to the idea, not just of something that you could sue the doctor for malpractice over. Hey, I went to you. You cut off the wrong leg. I'm going to file a lawsuit. <laughs> but instead, hey, you've got a blog or a TikTok where you disseminate false medical information and you're causing the society to be worse off because fewer people get vaccines who can sue that person over legal for medical malpractice there, there's no legal ground for me to sue that person and say well my grandma died of covid and i think you gave medical advice to a person who gave medical advice to a person who talked to a person who coughed on a person who coughed on my grandma and now she's dead i mean that's not going to work right so we need a new system for regulating the actions of actors who are going outside the bounds of a normal uh, patient a doctor relationship where we think, oh, that should be sacrosanct and that doctor should be able to to, you know, stretch and flex on the bounds of what is uh, the the normally understood bounds of 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 health and medicine, because you doctors are constantly evolving their own field. They're always pushing the boundaries. They're always trying new things. And there are, you know, there are medical associations and, and state legislatures that are restraining them and controlling them and deciding what the ethical rules are. And it's it's a flexible, flowing process because we don't know everything about the human body yet, right? We're, all, we're discovering new diseases all the time, right. and conditions and t- cures and treatments and everything. And so, you know, off-label uses, you've got to be able to do some amount of flexing to, to, to grow and expand the science of medicine. Uh, but the problem of, uh, you know, the, an anti-vaxxer blasting out misinformation on their blog to millions of people or their YouTube channel or, or TikTok or whatever, that is a new problem. This is a, the internet especially has created these, these sub- uh, groups of subgroups of subgroups of people, who, many of whom become, you know, virulently anti-vax and spread misinformation. Tiny, tiny, tiny groups of people who have massively outsized impacts on the public conversation about what medicine is doing these days and yeah, whether but, they're but doing I mean, it right. You know, in defense of this judge who shut down this this law about you yeah. know, doctors shall not be engaged in disinformation. I mean, the state of California fought back. They said, hey, Your Honor, there's a consensus about medical facts. I mean, you know, apples have sugar. Measles is a virus. Down syndrome is a chromosomal abnormality. What's the problem? But the judge's answer was, look, 
COVID is a disease that scientists have only been studying for a couple of years, and scientific conclusions are hotly contested. Mm -hmm. It's a quickly evolving area of science that in many aspects eludes consensus. So, you know, should we really be saying that a doctor should get into major trouble with the board if if they, in fact, don't follow consensus? Uh, I mean, you know, it's life and death stuff, but at least at this point, you know, this because of this federal judge's injunction, uh, we're going to have to wait to see if this law really ever goes into effect. Yeah. It, to put a button on it, I think the judge is probably jumping the gun and flexing his power as a judge when he doesn't have to. I think that this process can be shaken out with individual cases as they arise, as somebody gets censured or whatever, uh, you know, and, and sued or you know brought for criminal liability, however the, the law happens to work, against somebody who's spreading COVID mis information or disinformation. Uh, and instead of giving what is effectively an advisory opinion uh, and a, 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 an injunction against enforcement of this law, now the court should wait for more specific individual examples to crop up and then pile up until they see, wow, you know, this law is kind of being overused to regulate doctors who are really just trying to do good science and good medicine for their patients in a way that those patients want them to do, even though there is legitimate disagreement in the field of, in those areas. There's disagreement in every medical field, right? As opposed to coming out ahead of this law ever getting a chance to be put into effect and saying, no, uh, I think it's just too vague and therefore on constitutional grounds. I'm the judge and darn okay. it, this law won't go into place. I, w I would agree with you, except uh, this judge, William Shubb from Sacramento, when I appeared in front of him last a couple of years ago, he ruled in my favor. As a result, he's a brilliant jurist. And he complimented your hair and he said, um, Mr. Oaks, it's lovely to see you again. Uh, and so <laughs> as a result, uh, you would die for him. Uh, something, something like that. Yeah. Hey, when we come back, could Alec Baldwin have avoided criminal charges with just two simple words in the English language? No comment? We'll get into that, but first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you like, and whichever podcast platform you reach us on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever, uh, make sure that while you're there, you're leaving us a comment and uh, a little bit of a, a like um, and a rating, uh, and maybe share us with a friend uh, or a family member or someone you don't like. If you don't like the pod, then, you know, just, just fire us off to a mortal enemy. That works, too. And by the way, we're, we're dedicating this episode to our number one fan, Mr. Scott Schaefer of Dayton, Ohio. Uh, he's, uh, his feedback has been wonderful. So, uh, Scott, this one's for you. And we shall be right back with Too Many Lawyers. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So could Alec Baldwin have avoided criminal charges with just two words, no comment? Because remember, Connor, Baldwin's first reaction after the shooting was to express total willingness to talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. Police interviews, sure. Side of the road press conferences, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the news vans were following him and Hilaria. I think yeah. that's his wife's name. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious. And, you know, they got out of their car and they said, 
you know, clearly you guys are following us. So, you know, let's talk and let's just, you know, be upfront about this. So he felt it was best to be open and honest. And, you know, he's a darn good communicator. He's a smart guy. His attitude was, let's nip this thing in the bud. I got my career to think about. There are lawsuits out there, possible criminal charges. Let's talk. I'm innocent. Yep. Mm-hmm. But many are second guessing his strategy. A lot they of people do. are saying, Connor, you, if you ever talk to the police without your attorney president, you are really making a big mistake. And mm-hmm. even with your lawyer, Baldwin had no lawyer and he talked a lot. What's your general take well, on look, lawyers are expensed up here? Lawyers are expensive. Maybe Alec couldn't afford it. I mean, you know, you mean? no, in my opinion is the opinion that you will likely get from uh, a lot of experienced defense lawyers, public defenders or, um, you know, uh, paid uh, defense lawyers. Um, the opinion is that anytime you're talking to the police, anything, as they say in the Miranda rights, can be used against you. And that is the purpose of a statement to the police, is for the police to collect information to use against you. The cops have been trained. It is no, They're their not job. trying to clear your name. Right, right. They're not your advocates. They are not trying to clear your name. They are there to collect information, and they will use it against you in court, and they will not use it for you in court. And you cannot say, oh, I made the best possible statement, and it was totally exonerative, and it, and it absolutely helped me a lot. If you tried to say that in court and tried to repeat what you had told the cops that was good for you in court on the stand, well, instantly there'd be an objection, and they'd say, well, that's hearsay. You can't say that. You just have to say it here and now at trial. That's your day in court. That's your chance to defend yourself. Saying it ahead of time and giving your opponent all of your best ammunition and defense does not help you. It only hurts you. It only gives your opponent a preview. And that is how cops view you. You are the enemy. You are uh, the, 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 the person standing you know, down the line of fire that they're taking aim at when they are taking a statement from you. You cannot and should not think that just because they're smiley or they're nice or they're offering to be saying that this is going to be better for you or this whole thing could go away if we just clear it up right now and we just figure it all out and get all the facts out because, you know, you're not a bad guy and obviously you didn't do anything really that wrong. So let's just get <laughs> you a quick statement from you so that we can clear you and move on to the real suspects. And maybe you could actually help us catch the real suspects. You know, how that isn't if you really tell us all the information, then we'll catch the, the guy who really did it. And then, of course, you'll be totally off the hook and out of the woods. And you, you might be a hero, actually. And they will lie to you. The cops can and will and should yeah, and, and, lie and your to point you. there not everybody realizes the truth of what you just said that the cops have a right to lie to you several years ago when you were in law school connor i remember you telling me about i think you mentioned this this guy this james duane he's a professor at a law school in virginia mm-hmm. who is sort of the johnny appleseed of fifth amendment advocacy and yeah a video of a lecture he gave a decade ago on the fifth amendment don't talk to the police is the title has been viewed millions of times it's on so youtube good. and your point to me was people ought to know they should never ever talk to the police i mean you don't know what the cops know sometimes they're going for perjury not guilt and a reason to be cautious as i mentioned a minute ago the u.s supreme court in the 60s in a case called frazier versus cup said cops have the right to lie they are permitted to lie in all 50 states they can say you know your friend bert said that he saw you did this wouldn't you like to confess they can say you know your dna was found at the crime scene even though it wasn't. And but that's just the way it is. The law says that the cops have a tough job. They got to right. catch the bad guys. And it's OK to lie. And knowing that they can lie. I mean, so maybe Alec Baldwin was kind of stupid to say, oh, 
yeah, I'll talk. I didn't pull the trigger. I Absolutely. trusted the armorer. Absolutely. She gave he, him a chance to inspect the gun. So this could... I mean, this could have resulted directly to his manslaughter charges. Yeah, absolutely. He is a very confident guy, a very accomplished communicator. Uh, and as a result, he had uh, every reason to believe that he would be able to speak eloquently and well and accurately and everything on his defense, in his own defense. And he absolutely is right about all that. But in any way that you give information, not just to, you know, fodder to the flame of the media machine that makes pressure on people to bring charges, that's one thing. But aside from that, simply giving any information to the police, true or false, even exonerative or what should be exonerative information, can bite you because the cops not only can lie to you during an interrogation or an interview, but they can be wrong, mistaken, and lie accidentally, perhaps. Or a witness could lie or speak, you know, wrongly, accidentally, perhaps at trial. Imagine if you say uh, I wasn't, you know, in that area that night at all. And it was true. What if uh, then they put on a witness who says, oh, I actually saw him in that area that night. Right now, it's your word against that witness's word. And it's a it, it's a it's a battle of credibility. If you had never said anything. If you had given no statement to the police and then you don't have you have not offered anything that can be attacked by a witness who then has their credibility put up against yours. And, yep. and so you, even if it is 100 percent true, if they just happen to have a mistaken witness or cop who will testify as to something that is either intentionally a lie or accidentally false, then you screwed yourself by giving a statement. That's why you have a yep. right to remain silent. So shut and up. And to put a button on this point, and I, I just came up with that expression myself. I've never heard it anyplace else, right? Uh, to put a button on this, Illinois has actually passed a law, Connor, very recently to make confessions inadmissible if a cop lied during questioning. And Oregon and Utah are thinking about the same thing. Ooh, so there's a, cool a little bit. I like that. Cops can still, lie to you, but if they gets them a confession, you can't use it in court. That's a good workaround for what if about the spec that the Supreme Court said cops can lie. Well, that's right. they can lie <laughs> if they want. Hey, when we come back, time for Guess the Verdict, the case of the kidnapper with a chutzpah. Stick with us. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. I hope you enjoyed what... uh... A, uh, a listener recently told me was a, possibly a Spanish language ad. Well, for our bilingual uh, listeners, I, I hope you appreciated that. Oh, excellent. I had no idea. So time for Guess the Verdict. It's America's favorite game show. I give Connor the facts of a case. He guesses the outcome. Are you ready, Connor? Always. I was born ready. Okay, so we're, uh, we're in Kansas today. Uh, Jesse Dimmick is a fugitive facing a murder charge. Okay, so he's on the run. And what does he do? He kidnaps a Kansas couple. And at some point, he falls asleep. You know, it's stressful. Oh, you got to fall asleep eventually. That's how just sleep works. You know, that's nature. And they escape. Okay. 
So they, the couple, sue Mr. Dimmick for seventy five thousand, yeah. more than seventy five thousand dollars in damages. Sounds like they want to be in federal court. Sure. And and guess what he did in response? He countersues them for breach of contract. And oh Connor, he claims that he and the couple had a legally binding oral agreement for them to hide him from the police. They promised. He promised. He gave consideration. I guess he promised not to kill them or whatever. So. What happens to uh, Mr. Dimmick's cross-complaint for breach of contract? The kidnapped victims lied when they promised that they would hide him from the cops. Wow. The chutzpah indeed. <laughs> just pretty, pretty it, tough one, huh? This is boggles, a challenge for you. It boggles the mind, really. Just the, the notion that someone could come up with this idea and... I mean, maybe he didn't well, have let's a lawyer. Say he had a lot of time on his hands to come up with creative <laughs> yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 15 to 25 uh, years <laughs> to think of it. Look, uh, so for, for those wondering, shouldn't this just automatically lose, like without even having to think about it? Uh, the answer is yes, it should automatically lose. It will automatically lose because you can't form a contract uh, and then try to enforce a contract uh, to commit an, uh, an illegal act, right? So I can't, it's not an enforceable contract to hire somebody to be a hitman to kill your wife or whatever uh, because uh, you can't try to enforce an illegal contract. I illegality uh, avoids uh, a contract, makes it, renders it unenforceable. Well, plus so there's the coercion angle. Oh, God, yes. Obviously, there's the ones. Not that just occurred to me. <laughs> not only do you have to you know, have a valid legal action that you're asking someone to take <laughs> in order for it to you know be a valid contract, even if you give them what they call, as you pointed out, consideration, right? If you ask somebody to do you a favor, a promise, hey, promise me you'll pick me up at the airport. And they say, okay. And then they don't. It's not an enforceable contract because they you didn't give them anything in exchange. It wasn't of you know one thing for another thing. The tiniest thing, even a, the the grain of pepper, will do, as they say, uh, to qualify as consideration. Even a peppercorn will suffice. Exactly right. So if you, it's a pe peppercorn, not a grain. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but like, if so, if you say, hey, pick me up at the airport, Mister Uber driver, uh, or my friend, or whatever, and I'll give you three dollars. It might seem like a, it's not worth it because I wouldn't, you know, pick somebody up at the airport airport for $30 even. I'd rather die than go to the airport. But if, if you know, if you give them something in return, boom, suddenly you've got a contract. Uh, that's a consideration. So you can, a kidnapper can give you a $1,000 uh, for for uh, hiding him from the police, it's not an enforceable contract because it's illegal, and almost certainly it's not a really truly formed contract because you probably had a gun to his head during the kidnapping. He was probably tied exactly up. Exactly right. So, so yeah, I'm, there's I, no I'm way. picking up. I'm picking up on your guess. You think that the the poor kidnapper is going to lose his counter suit? But I admire that he's trying to use the legal system to his advantage because you know, aren't we all? <laughs> That's right. All right, you're right. You actually guessed it right. Your hey. batting average has gone up. Why do you sound so surprised? I'm not. I'm not shocked and amazed at all. That's good. Uh, That's good. So now that that ends the official portion of the uh, the podcast. But now the gloves come off. I have two two postscripts. Two. We'll okay. go overtime. Like you know, Bill Maher has overtime after his real time show. Sure. So are you ready for overtime? Oh yeah, I'm ready. So it's my rant here. Mm -hmm. There's a lawyer in I think it's South Carolina named Murdaugh, and it's a famous case because he's charged with shooting his wife and son to death. Oh my God. He is uh, the son, grandson, and great grandson of prosecutors, prominent DAs in this state for like centuries. 
So he's charged with the murders. We're not going to get into the details. He, the motive is he wanted to cover up his financial crimes. But you know, we'll get into that in another podcast. Here's what I want to rant about. Connery's on trial for murder, right? Mm-hmm. He is in trial. It's first day opening statements. He wears a pair of khaki slacks, a blue <laughs> blazer, a checked a dress shirt, you know, buttoned down with no freaking tie. Hunter, if I'm on trial for my life, I'm going to wear a tie. I get that things change. Okay. Time. I was a kid. Everybody who went to church dressed up, you know, absolutely coat tie, dressed to the eyes. They got dressed to get on an airplane. If you, if you went on an airplane a little before I was a kid, you would dress up like, you know, you were going to the Pope's wedding. So I realized (laughs) things have changed, but Connor, he's on trial for his life. Do you think it's because he said to himself, well, the jury's not wearing ties, so I want the jury to think I'm a regular guy like like them. You think that was it? If he wanted to appeal to the jury and be really relatable, he should have worn Lululemon skin-tight yoga pants. Because I'll tell you (laughs) what, uh, everyone in the jury box these days is wearing the most comfortable thing you can possibly imagine. They know what they're in for. It's not a good time, and it is a long time. And I'll tell you, they're aware of it, and if they're not bringing... Uh, a book to read uh, uh, in their lap so the judge doesn't see them, then they're at least going to uh, be comfortable. So, yeah, so think I think it might have been smart for him to go no tie. Well, I mean, he's a lawyer, right? Nobody likes lawyers. We've got a whole podcast about how yeah, we don't like lawyers. There are too many lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think here, he's got to make moves, do something, break here's the mold. My deal. If you're going to the Chamber of Commerce mixer at the Elks Club, uh-huh. okay, you don't have to wear a tie. If you're on trial for your life, I'm just saying. Just saying. All right. So the other thing I wanted to mention is we we had a little debate a minute ago about the pepper grain of pepper and the peppercorn. Here's why I I gave you my peppercorn deal. When I went to law school at UCLA Law School, I had a contracts professor named Jim Sumner, and he was famous because he drove a Rolls Royce. He lived in Bel Air, which is across the street from UCLA Law School. He had a trophy wife, and he was the aide to General George Patton in World War II. Wow. So one day, instead of teaching us about consideration and, you know, mutual uh, assent in contracts, he started out, uh, I know some of you uh, wanted to hear my stories about uh, my time with General Patton, so I thought we'd do that today. Well, nobody had asked him, okay? Of course not. Nobody. But it was entertaining, okay? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he's the guy that taught us. Even when you're talking about consideration, a contract is only enforceable if you actually, you know, each side gives a little something, but you don't have to give much. Even a peppercorn will suffice, is what Love he it. said. Yeah. So no, Jim you're Sumner, absolutely right. Rest in peace. Uh, we never got to meet your trophy wife, but we saw your Rolls Royce in the faculty parking lot. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wish my, my contracts professor wrote of roles. I mean, he was the dean. I had the dean. So that's something. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, but, but I you mean, had a big fancy criminal procedure professor, and you you got Leo Terrell to speak to the class. So so you got that going for you. <laughs> yeah, Leo, Leo 1.0. So it was I had for the class One before point. Leo took his his Trumpian turn. <laughs> All right, we run plum out of time. Wonderful job as always, Connor. We'll see you next week, everybody. On too many lawyers. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.